<clears throat> Hello? Is this thing on? How's it going, everybody? Thank you for joining me once again on another episode of Don't Mind Me. Um, unfortunately, I'm not introducing the guest today. Um, there isn't one. It's just me. But it gives me an excuse to talk to myself and not look crazy. Now, I told you I would, um, post the solo episode for when I got a thousand total plays, but I lied. I'm only at 950, and I decided, same thing, you know, really what's 50 more? I'll probably get it after this. Uh, that being said, I'm not really too sure how long this episode's gonna be, because I've never tried to talk to myself for a duration before. If it doesn't go so smoothly, bear with me, I will get better, because this will not be the last solo episode. Um, although I do have a lot more content being uh planned and in the process of being made got a bunch more guests coming back um everybody's got a bunch of guests returning to the show and a few that have not been on before um it's gonna be real fun but for today i think i'm going to address some of the topics that you guys have given me over the course of time uh, that I've skipped in the last episodes. I'm going to give you a a pretty in-depth kind of like view of what I'm thinking about it. So uh, I'll stop fucking rambling and get straight into this shit, I guess. Um, Ooh, and one more thing. If you guys wouldn't mind... Uh, when you listen to it, if you're feeling so generous, maybe help me uh, get my show a little more out there. I'm trying to increase the number of listeners. Uh, you know, I always accept and welcome feedback and what I should improve on, what I did well. What you think I should talk about, what you think my strong suits are, where I need to improve, all that good stuff. So, what do I want to start with? Um, I think I'll start with, somebody asked what my, or somebody suggested that I talk about what my life was like growing up, and this is the perfect opportunity to let you guys get to know a little more of who I am. So, um, uh, I lived with my grandma for the majority of my childhood. (sighs) She had quite the amount of health issues when we were growing up, and at times it was pretty rough, like, um, my grandma was my guardian growing up. She was a very sweet woman, very generous. 
she was always breaking her back to please people and um, she was never really surrounded with anybody that actually cared about her for real uh, her ex-husband who obviously is my grandpa from what she told me was an abusive husband to her and you know they separated after a while and I mean they only spoke every now and again when they happened to see each other but he lived in like multiple states away and they stayed in touch or whatnot. but he remarried she never did um my grandma used to work at a paper company from what I can remember and uh, when I was like before second grade before I was even at school uh, she would take me to work with her sometimes and I remember like sitting at her office feeling like I was just like uh, an adult really I was like you know pretending like I had office work to do and then I was some part of this big company I didn't know how it worked but I just pretended like I did. And, uh, honestly, I feel like, now that I say that out loud, I feel like that might be why I want an office job so bad. Because really what I want to do is I just, I just want to sit, I want to have an office that is mine for the amount of time that I'm there and I can decorate it however I want while I provide my services to the company I work for. And I want kind of like, the office TV show like uh, work environment but obviously you'll never actually ever get that because it's a TV show but I mean it'd be pretty cool to have like a cool office job you know like one that's actually enjoyable and saying that out loud I feel like that might be where that stems from but uh, shortly at after she started taking me to her work and stuff, she would she got sick. She had something wrong with her colon, so she couldn't really control when she used the bathroom. It was just like she'd get the urge, and then she had like a few minutes to get to a toilet, or she was gonna blow. And um, I don't know. She. Sorry, it's a little difficult to remember. Uh, everything seems like a blur on the side. Really try to focus in on some stuff. She had the colon issue. Um, she had a hunch in her back. She was a rather little lady. She, I mean, she couldn't have weighed more than 100 pounds soaking wet. And she was... I mean, she probably wouldn't even touch my shoulder if I stood up next to her now. When she was healthier, she used to have this beautiful brown hair, and uh, she would do this thing when she was stressed, where she like twisted it with her finger. She would twist the hair with her finger, and I accidentally picked up that trait as well. But in her non-healthier days, uh, she had 
breast cancer uh, twice. And the first time she survived, obviously, um, she got her titty removed. Like, literally. And she only had one titty. It's crazy. I was astonished. Um, and she ended up going bald from the chemotherapy. And she grew a little bit of hair back after she healed. But it wasn't a whole lot. And then... She honestly started really looking really bad towards the end of her life. But um, my dad was never present. And, well, he was for small spots in my life. Like uh, a couple years, probably max, and then he'd go away again. Um, I, I was, my grandma had custody of not only me and my two siblings, um, but also my two cousins at one point for quite the amount of time, actually. And she wasn't working at the time. She was getting money from the government. And we also had, like, food stamps and stuff like that. We would get uh, food from the school and, you know, like, donations from the school or whatever when it came to the winter time for clothes and winter coats. Um... And I, I mean, I did, I did rather well in school. Um, you know, through elementary school, I was a solid honor roll, like straight A student. Sometimes I'd get a B or a C every here and there, but whatever. Uh, and there was one, there was a few teachers that I just never get along with, like ever. But I managed to get through their classes, and I was always proud of my academic career because. I never really did many sports as a kid. I played soccer. Um, I got hit in the face with a soccer ball one time, one time, like like ridiculously hard, like damn near knocking my ass the fuck out. And um, I played in a game that was pouring down rain, like I couldn't see four or five feet in front of me. And I had glasses on and everything, so I ridiculously like couldn't see, and it just <clears throat> hit me right in the face, and knocked my ass like uh, seeing stars for a second. Um, my mom, after, like, a young age, uh, wasn't present, um, at the time, I was told it's because she didn't want to be, and now that I'm grown, um, I talked to her, and she says it's because of the situation, and whoever was in charge, and what they would let happen, and what they wouldn't let happen. I'm not sure, and I'll never know the full story and all the details, but I know that my mother was not present for the majority of my life, and I know that my father wasn't present for a lot of it, and when he was, he was a very abusive alcoholic. Very abusive alcoholic. Um, and he still is. He still is. Don't get me wrong. But, uh... You know, I, at the... When I was a young, young lad, it was really hard to get along with all of my siblings. Like, me and my brother Matt, we literally fought at least three or four times a day. Like, it was ridiculous. And me and my sister Layla, we would constantly, like, argue and back and forth and stuff. And then me and the two cousins that lived with me at the time, Brady and Austie, 
uh, more than half the time, me and Brady were fighting, or Matt and Brady were fighting, or something like that, and Austin and Layla, I mean, they were, they'd always hang out, and they was cool and stuff, but every couple of people had their arguments and their disagreements, um, but being cramped, everybody in that, sm- it was a three-bedroom apartment, but um, in one room was my grandma, and my sister Layla would sleep with her, and uh, in another room, at, at, at times, was considered the girls' room, where Austin and Layla would sleep, and then at other times, it would be my uncle's room, and Austin and Brady would sleep with him in there, and then uh, the third and final room uh, at times was referred to as the boys' room, so it was me, Matt, and Brady in one room, and then at other times was uh, actually my dad's room when he stayed there with us for a little while for that, for those increments of time where he was involved in my life. Uh, he had um, a wife there who wasn't my mom, obviously, but he also had two kids, and they, those three stayed in there with him. Um, my dad, his wife, and my two little stepsisters, or half-stepsisters, half-sisters, whichever. Um, so I honestly, when they were there, I don't remember where me, Matt, and Brady would sleep. It would either be, I'm assuming the living room or my grandma's room, but I'm not 100% certain. Uh, and the fuck was I talking about? But, oh yeah, that's right. Um, back then, being so young and cramped up in that, I mean, it's a rather small place for sometimes six people sometimes 11 i think um yeah i think back then when we were young all of us being cramped up in that apartment uh like we would just get irritated and not know how to express it and we'd fight and we'd argue and we'd fuss and we'd throw tantrums and all this and that um but kind of sucks now that I'm all grown up and, you know, uh, Austie's somewhere in northern Ohio and Brady's in the southern states. Matt's a Marine now and Layla's got her first job. Uh, I, I don't know. It just feels like I'm not connected to any of the fam anymore. It feels like we're all dispersed. Um, me and my dad have bad blood right now and me and my mom really don't talk that often, but every now and again we'll check in on each other or whatever. My uncle is going through some stuff. My brother, I miss him so much. He's on his own. Uh, crazy to think, man. Like, I'd give anything for all of us just to be back at that apartment and wrestling in our t-shirts and our tears. I mean, growing up, I didn't. Th- I didn't think growing up the way I did. I'd, I'd even miss it at all, cause it was not your ideal way of growing up. I mean, once I got into middle school, I'm. I'm not gonna perp on you. Like, 
we were poor and we had a bed bug problem. We don't know where we got it from and we got rid of it and then it would come back and then we'd get rid of it. And I mean, it's not it's not cheap to get rid of that stuff. It's like $2,000 for the treatment and my grandma's only getting like, you know, fucking maybe that a month from the government to take care of all of us kids or whatever. And, and that's not including food stamps, I don't think. But, you know, that's hard to, that's hard to do, and everybody at the time was bullying me, and nobody wanted to talk to me or my siblings, and we was those nasty kids that nobody would want to talk to, and, I mean, I showered, and I was clean, and I didn't smell bad, but, I mean, I wouldn't want to talk to a kid that had a bug crawling on him either, I guess. Um, all of my friends at the time slowly stopped liking me towards the end of that whole like middle school age thing uh, of course I didn't stay in my hometown of Lancaster any further than 8th grade um, because 8th grade year I finished 8th grade year and that summer my grandma passed away from cancer and my uncle had left the state and my dad was a washed up alcoholic that didn't have a job and thought he was a kingpin or something. Hey buddy, fuck you, I'm trying to record a podcast, okay? You're exhausted, calm the fuck down, fuck off. Anyway, um, I don't know, shit just got like really bad really fast. Like, we didn't have the best upbringing and I mean, I call it abusive. I say that I was abused, and it's because I was. Um, I mean, it could have always been worse. Like, if you look at the Gabriel Fernandez cases and trials, um, that poor boy, he got killed because of his mother and her lack of love for him because of whatever, just because he was him, just because of him. And... I mean, it can always, it could always be worse. Like, I know it could have been worse growing up. And that's what kept me going is like, when I was growing up and I was feeling the pain and the suffering that everybody was going through and letting it out through, to let it out on us as kids. Like, I would tell myself like, oh, well, it could be worse. But, I mean, I don't know. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, my dad, after my grandma died, uh, his mom, of course, he started losing his mind, honestly. He drank so much, and he got involved with meth, and he really uh, lost himself. And... I had to start taking care of my brother and my sister. I'd have to basically be what my grandma was to them. And I did things that I wasn't proud of so I could make sure they were fed and they had a place to sleep. Um, I don't know, it was, it was pretty rough. My dad was there, but only at night time and he didn't have any 
real money to buy any food or anything and if he did money it's because he sold the meth that he had and wanted to go buy beer with it and needed something to eat first and so I started providing for Matt and Layla uh, at the summer of 8th grade I think is when it was yeah I'm pretty sure and then my third grade teacher who was pretty close with my grandma for some forsaken reason was also Layla's volleyball coach at the time she reached out um, and provided the help really like I was staying at the apartment and there was an eviction notice on the door and I had walked Layla uh, somewhere in town to her friend's house and Matt was at his friend's house so I knew he was taken care of for the time and uh, I don't know I, I, I got back to the apartment saw the eviction notice and realized I was hungry dirty and exhausted and I didn't have a phone there wasn't any power in the apartment and I mean I didn't I don't know no food but I knew Matt and Layla were taken care of so I was good I just needed a little bit of sleep uh, at, at one point when I was uh, probably about like seven maybe I actually caught a cat outside of the apartment and I brought him in he was just a little kitten I brought him in and he was my he was my best friend for the longest time when people would bully me I would cry into his fur on the couch me and him got so close we literally slept in the same positions on the couch um, he'd just like sleep on my back or above my back on the back of the couch and we'd be in the same position or uh, you know you'd catch me and him in a picture and we're both somewhat like almost making the same face or something it just looks like really we're just attached to each other and you can tell through the photos and really because we were um, so many nights that that little cat held my tears and my pain it was crazy and uh, I remember coming home after walking Matt and Layla to wherever they had to go and it started to become nighttime and you know I so exhausted me and the cat his name was Snuggles I named him that because we snuggled all the time we uh, snuggled up together one last time and I fell asleep I woke up to the sound of a police officer's voice and I peeked my head out my grandma's door and he was standing there with the door halfway cracked open he said holy shit buddy I thought you were dead and I said, nah, man, I was just tired. He said, you must have been one hell of a sleep. I beat on this window for 15 minutes hollering, and you didn't budge. I was borderline about to call the, uh, the station and let him know I had a possible dead body. And I was like, damn, man, maybe, like, knock harder next time. Or something, like, silly, you know, try to ease the tension. And this was really like my first interaction with the police. Um, and 
I, my dad had left me a note taped to uh, white powdered donuts and it said uh, I taught you everything you need to know in life good luck I'll get in touch with you when you're 18 or something like that it was something along those lines and it had a bottle of Mountain Dew next to it and that was the last time I saw him until I was 18 years old that's the last time I heard from him for, I don't know, I'd want to say like a good three years. And he finally messaged me when I was about 17. But the cop was like, well, where's like your parents? You have an eviction notice, like where's your parents? And I straight lied to him. I was like, my grandma went to the bank or something. She said she's not going to be long. And uh, he's like, well, do you mind if I wait here for her? And I was like, trying to get out of it. I was like, well, I'm really actually getting ready to go to a friend's house. And I called my friend Zeke. And I was like, uh, trying to use him as like my gateway out of the situation without getting in any like situation, I guess. <laughs> um. Well, long story short, he, like, figured out that I wasn't, uh, you know, with any parents. And he said, I'm actually here to serve your dad some papers. And I was like, he's not here. And he was like, don't lie to me now. And I was like, I'm for real, he's not here. Like, you can come in and check if you want. Like, it's just me. He came in and he searched didn't find my dad fucking I started he started radioing back trying to open up the foster care conversation I was terrified and I was like behaving erratically and he ended up detaining me and putting me in the back of the car I didn't have any cuffs on but put me in the back of the car and he called that third grade teacher that was with my sister at the time and she got temporary custody of us when I went into foster and then before I went into foster care I should say she got temporary custody of us before I went into foster care and I ended up in foster care and then I ended up in Vinton County after a few rough homes and then here we are so that's what my childhood was like I mean don't get me wrong there were some really good moments some really great moments like growing up I had Zeke uh, always was able to hang out with me he would spend so many hours a day, so many days a week, so many weeks a month at his house. It was crazy. It actually got to the point where his mom op- like tried to open a conversation with my grandma for adopting me. And my grandma flipped her lid. It's kind of ironic though because he was one of the f- his home was one of the first foster homes that I tried and it turned out to be one of the worst ones I went to. Not because of him, but because of his parents. But that's not my business. Um...
but yeah there's a lot of fun like another time we had this time we went sledding and Matt went on the sled backwards and he ended up going down this little creek like he, he came down the hill really fast and he like came to a almost a slow stop and he stopped like right before the edge of the creek and then he just slowly fell in it like backward and I just remember his screams echoing as he fell out of sight that was some of the funniest shit I've ever seen in my entire life. That will that will never not be funny if I ever think about it. Um, I don't know though. It was it was very different, a very different childhood. Not one that I really would like to impose on my worst enemy. But I feel like it was just character development for when I got to this point in my life you know I mean there's always a good and a bad you just don't ever really remember the good that much believe it or not like you get 50 compliments a day and like if 50 people tell you hey I like your shirt hey I like your shirt hey I like your shirt and one person says hey man that shirt's fucking disgusting like that's ugly as hell take it off uh if they're like dude that's fucking disgusting that's ugly as fuck dude take it off you don't remember that you don't remember the dude that said that over the 50 people that said nice shirt and I mean if 50 people say they hated your shirt and one person said I liked your shirt you ain't gonna remember that one person that liked your shirt either you're gonna go home and be like dude everybody said they hated my shirt like nobody liked my shirt everybody was dogging on me and in the other situation you'd be like or I was out today and this motherfucker looked at me and said my shirt was fucking disgusting like it's a lot easier to remember the things that hurt you and than it is to remember the things that give you joy um and I'm not sure why that is somebody wants to know why change is so difficult and that is one of the greatest questions that's ever been served to me that's one of the greatest questions I've ever heard why is change so difficult and um, I think in my experience with change change is difficult in the way of you're so used to having a routine or being in a habit that it, it becomes easier almost second nature for you and change is difficult because that second nature is no longer valid or that second instinct no longer proves to be true um, no matter how you look at it um, change is difficult because it proves that what you're used to isn't what's normal anymore and humans are a creature for normality we crave it we just want things to be normal we want people to act normal we want our lives to be normal. We want everything to just be normal, you know? It's kind of like being able to adapt. Um, 
genetically or mutationally. It's like we like human humans like to be comfortable and change has to confront the comfortability and it not it's not impossible to overcome a change or power through a change or anything like that um one of the um, hardest things about change is if you want anything to change in this world, you're going to have to capture somebody's attention, multiple people's attention, and a lot of people's attention, um, because you're not going to be able to solve a problem that's uh, a planetary scale with just you. You have to make people want to come up with a solution. You're going to have to make people recognize what needs to be changed and that's a difficult task to do as well it's, it's hard to embrace change it's hard to enforce change change is difficult because it has to happen on a large scale for any drastic events and it's almost impossible to get people to understand it at that large scale change let's change the subject if you found out the world would end in a year, what would your last year be like? So, I'm told, like today, in exactly 365 days, humanity ceases to exist. Our world is over. It's all she wrote. It's the end of the book. No more fucking, no sequels. Nothing. I would make sure that I thoroughly enjoy the last year of my life. I'm not dealing with any stress. I'm not tolerating any drama. I'm not working a single job for the last year. I feel like if we know the world is going to end in a year, we can tell everybody the world's going to end in a year. And I know, I feel like, you know, it's just circumstantially for this situation, it's just a given fact. Like, there's, it's not just a probability, it's 100% the world's going to end in a year. And we know that's a fact, but there's no way around it. There's nothing we can do. It's all she wrote. It's just a ticking time bomb type scenario. In that sense, I feel like, Currency holds zero value. I feel as if we all just go back to the ancestral. You have it, and you want what's theirs. You trade it. You provide something of equal value. I feel like if we eliminate currency from the picture, I would be able to thoroughly enjoy my life more for that last year. Uh, I would sightsee, I would travel, spend probably every single day with my friends, or at least fairly often I'd be with my friends and those that care about me. Um, 
I'm making time for everybody. If you want to see me before this year is over, we're seeing each other. I don't care, dude. There's there's no reason why I would not see you, why I would not hang out with you, why we wouldn't just enjoy being here on this beautiful earth without any responsibility of survival or whatever. You know, just living here peacefully, but I feel like I, I wouldn't be told no. Like, if I want it, I'm getting it. I'm doing it. I'm saying it. It's whatever. I'll, it, that's all she wrote. If I had a time machine, what year am I going to visit? If you guys had a time machine, what year are you going to visit? I'd say if I settled on the future, I think, um, I think for the one year I'm going to visit, I'm going to go see what life turns out like. I'd probably calculate and uh, figure out when I was like 50 years old or like 40 years old or whatever, when I would be, then I'd go to like that year and see what it's like when, you know, I'm more or less at the end of my working life and retire and have my family or potentially have my family see how things change um but if I was to go into the past I'd probably go to one of the years that the pyramids were constructed cause I feel like I have to know how why and what the fuck um, how they, you know, got it so perfect, and in some places you can't even fit, like, a human hair, because the rocks are so, like, or the blocks, I'm sorry, the blocks are so put together, and, uh, I don't know if you guys know this about the pyramids, but I think it's, what, the speed of light and the coordinates of the pyramid, I think, are the same. If I'm not mistaken, I think the Great Pyramid of Giza uh, coordinates are like 29.97924 or something. And I'm almost positive that the speed of light is like 299,792. Is that what I said the first time? Four or something? I'm not, uh... Let me fact check real quick. Give me a sec. Okay, yeah. The exact coordinates of the Great Pyramid of Giza are 29.97924.58 degrees north, which by itself means very little. However, some enthusiasts have noticed the number is exactly the same as the speed of light which travels at 299,792,458 meters per second, according to express.co.uk. Uh, I think the pyramids are just too mathematically accurate in multiple aspects. And, you know, those aren't small blocks, those aren't like bricks that you hold in your hand, those are like 
blocks that it would take like six dudes, seven dudes to move, like seven full grown men to move. Uh, and they're all stacked like perfect. Like, do you know how perfect you have to actually put those stones to get that shape uh, without it being like messed up in any area? Like, that's ridiculous. Um, you know, I feel I feel like they were giants. I feel I feel like men back then were just enormous or something. Or maybe it was a different species of some form of mutant men or some big aliens or something. But I think that the the Egyptians or whoever built the pyramids were physically like bigger. They were like 10, 11 feet tall type shit. You know, like giants. Cause I mean, how else can, there's, there's no other way of person or humanoid, maybe, would be able to like, you know, lift that. I'm not really sure what year the pyramids were, you know, quote unquote built or but I, I would rather go to it in the, in the middle of being built to see how it happened what is worse than death what's worse than dying uh watching somebody you love like fade out of existence whether it be from an addiction battle or um, a significant other breaking up or you know maybe like your best friend or you have a falling out with one of your uh, family members I don't know I just feel like seeing somebody you love like ever so dearly and ever so purely just slip into madness slip away just kind of fall out of grasp watch them become somebody that they were not or never were to you it hurts a lot I feel like it's a lot worse than dying because like your heart dies and your mind can't really keep up with what's going on the only thing that actually doesn't die is you physically but you're <coughs> you experience the same grief um when you lose something like somebody dies if you lose a family member or whatever that grief you feel that's the same thing as breaking up with somebody that you truly love and truly care about it's the same type of grief uh, and I, I've seen a lot of people slip away in this manner and I, I, I do feel as if death would be a little better than watching another one of my friends or family members slip away like that. Not even pass away, but just fade. Um, uh, I think, I think that'll, that'll do me for this episode. Uh, I just want to say thank you all for, you know, it, it, this is my first episode 
I was a little uncomfortable at first, but it just goes like every other episode. Um, I appreciate everybody for dropping by, and I'm I'm excited to see what you guys have to say about some of my thoughts and my opinions. <clears throat> it's a little strange not having any guests, and um rather hard to uh what's the word I'm looking for here progress a conversation when you're having it to a microphone and a laptop and pretending it's a couple people that you know are listening to the audience or listening in the audience I mean um but I do, however, appreciate you for sticking around and testing the waters with me. And hopefully you're um, kind enough to give me some feedback on what I could improve on or how, what I'm doing that's good or what I should talk about how I could flow better, like whatever your opinion may be, I'm open to it. And I just wanna say a shout out to Brad for really uh, being an interactive audience member. Thank you, Brad, for always, always playing one of my episodes is like the day of the drop that really means a lot to me dude you're always giving me the most honest feedback and how you feel about each and every episode even if it's not the best I do appreciate it my friend and to everybody else uh, thank you for helping me grow along this journey hopefully I can get this solo episode down pat um Hopefully you guys stick around. We got a lot more content and guests coming up. So, I mean, other than that, I think I've gotten everything out of the way. I shall see you guys in the next episode.